Assalamualaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So welcome. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi And welcome back to another episode of AccidentalMuslims.com. And uh, today we've got yet another special guest all the way um, from the United Kingdom. And uh, that is Brother Zuhair Giraj. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam How are you doing? I'm very well. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Mashallah. So I must say I'm feeling a little bit, uh, bit tired because mm. I had the privilege of, of doing the, the Afia Healing um, Workshop on yeah. Saturday and Sunday, both those days. Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoyed the opportunity of immersing myself um, in Afia Healing. Yeah. And and, 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 and and how our feeling can actually help you in a vera- your life in a variety of ways. So maybe we start by, by first telling us a bit about who you are, what is your background, and then how you ended up getting into Afia healing. Okay. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. As-salatu wassalamu ala ashraf al-anbiya al-mursaleen wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. So my background is in accounts and management. I worked with the big corporate companies in the UK. And during that time, we went through a lot of um, self-development courses and everything that you know the companies provide for you. And what I found in all those training courses was, subhanAllah, th- everything that they're teaching us for our own self-development, well-being, the Quran and the Sunnah already have a solution for us. So why is it that we are having to learn from a different source, the same knowledge, just that God has been removed out of the equation? So there is progress that that is uh, possible through these uh, developmental courses, but the true essence has been removed. So you don't get the full depth of the benefit of uh, if you were to go, for example, through the Dini route. And then with that, Alhamdulillah, coupled with that, you know, um, I've spent a lot of time with the Mashaykh, uh, learning from different uh, scholars and and, uh, sitting at the feet of many of the Shuyukh. And with that, Alhamdulillah, there's a lot of Islamic knowledge, you know, from the spiritual side that also involves, I mean, the whole concept of Islam and then the second part, which is Iman and the third part, Ihsan, where Ihsan comes in and the person's journey from where you are to where you need to get to involves a lot of self-development. The whole Mm -hmm. process of Ihsan is about correcting yourself and purifying yourself. Allah says, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ تَزَكَّى who are the successful ones? The successful ones are the ones who've purified themselves. Mm-hmm. So this is what it's about, that if I want to purify myself, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take a lot of um, uh, consistency and uh, persistence in order to hold myself back from not speaking the wrong things, not mm-hmm. looking at the wrong things, not listening to the wrong things. And then how is it that we interact with people? So everything that they'll teach you out there in NLP and all the rest of it, the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, his behavior is already teaching us what it takes to attain success. Mm. And this is what the beautiful thing is that we are always told by our teachers, follow the footsteps of the Prophet. Follow his footsteps. Why? Because when you place your feet in those footsteps, then inshallah you begin to walk and, ha- and experience the life that he wasallam, led. And inshallah for, you know, the ultimate aim is, inshallah we catch up with those footsteps and meet him as well, isn't it? And that's what we want at a, at a, at a deeper level. So it's all about tazkiyah, it's all about self-progression. And this is something I felt is lacking within our Muslim space. Mm. And it was an opportunity, and alhamdulillah, this opportunity from Allah, to 
put together this course. And so after you know my my career in corporate, I started to look at different modalities such as life coaching. Back then, about twelve years ago, that was a you know big buzz. I think it still is in some places. I did NLP. I did uh, hypnotherapy. I got a, a diploma in clinical psychohypnotherapy. Okay. So I went into a lot of these different modalities, but the answers were the same. This is already in the Sunnah. This is already in the mm. Sunnah. Either you find it, you know, there's a direct correlation in Quran. There's a direct correlation in the Sunnah, or you find a direct correlation in the lives of the pious predecessors. Mm, and because they went through the Tazkiyah process, Imam al-Ghazali, he was the dean of the University of Baghdad at the age of 20. And after that, he dropped everything, all his responsibility, and he went off into the desert. Why? Because he said there was still something missing. That although he was there and he was happy with that position, but the recognition that inside us is the nafs. And that nafs is what is, you know, drawing us away from Allah, more towards dunya, more towards name and fame, love of, you know, wealth and all the rest of it. So he spent 10 years in the desert understanding how the nafs works and then breaking it. Mm. And then he wrote his book, Ahiyahululamuddin, the path, you know, for those people seeking the uh, closeness to Allah. So it's amazing how, you know, we have to learn from these people. Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani, Rahimullah, all of these great, great, you know, um, uh, kutubs and goals of their, of, of their times, mashallah, we have to take lessons from them. And so they didn't have it easy. The Prophet didn't have it easy. The Sahabas didn't. The Tabi'in didn't. All those people closer to Allah always have a struggle. And, you know, a lot of times people say, you know, I pray all the time. I fast. I give sadaqah, this, this. I do everything. But I'm, I'm still suffering. Mm. I say to them, Alhamdulillah, you know, at least you're closer to the Sunnah than following all those things and living a cushy life. Because you are now in that same, you know, zone where all the ibadat is being done, but you are being tested. Why? So that your status is raised. So once we start seeing the mercies within what Allah is blessing us with, that's the only time that real growth begins to happen within us. SubhanAllah. Yeah. Uh, why do you think, uh, you know, earlier we interviewed Sheikh Nanawi as well, and, and we also posed, you know, the question to him as to the splitting of, of, of religion um, versus non-religious sciences that just will be put, you know, either you're going to become dean and, and that's the way you're going to be pushed, you know, or you're going to go and do some academic academic studies. And, and we don't see much of a correlation today when historically, um, you know, Sheikh Nanawi gave the example, Imam Shafi was a physician and a scholar, Imam Abu Hanifa was a businessman and a scholar. And I'm just thinking of that now because you're mentioning, you know, you, you did clinical therapy, NLP, all of these type of things, life coaching, and you actually found, you know, so many of these things within the Sunnah. So what do you think makes us, because there are many Muslims that are falling in a sense in the staff if I use this word, where we, we're looking at all of these self-help people and, and Dr. Martini and Tony Robbins, you know, and life coaching, all these modalities. And in a sense, we've, we've turned our back towards what we've got in our own backyard, not realizing we've actually got, got, got acres of diamonds in our, in our backyard. So, so I'd like your comment on that. Yeah, and, and exactly. That's my whole point, that we have everything, but our mindset and, and ideology and the way we've been sort of cultured is that it's never good enough if it comes from us. Mm. Someone else has to tell us. Mm. So like the example I gave in the workshop was um, intermittent fasting. Mm. Okay, the Prophet so, told us, fast Monday and Thursday, twice a week. Mm. Okay, and then 13, 14, 15. So if you were to fast on, on a regular basis in that way, it will help you in your whole being. Now, for 1400 years, you know, some people took it on. Most of us haven't. Mm. Now, scientific research comes through. Oh, we want, uh, you know, this intermittent mm. fasting is brilliant for you. And mm. it, it balances your body and the hormones mm. and the immune system. Now we want to take it on. Mm. So when the Prophet awesome. told us, we didn't take it. Mm. Now, when science tells us, what is science? Science is simply explaining 
how God makes things work. Mm, the Islamic definition of science is understanding how Allah makes things work. The plant will grow. You put a seed in, it'll take a while, it'll germinate, it'll come through, it'll shoot up, branches will form eventually, flowers, flowers to fruits. Okay, Allah's already made that happen. But now science is understanding how and what and, you know, through observations. Then only we want to believe. Mm. And this is, this is the test, isn't it? That do we believe wholeheartedly? Do we submit to what Allah and the Rasul are telling us? Or do we wait until mm. it suits our so nafs? And this is where the differentiation is. That are we giving priority to our ruh? Or are we being still governed and run by our nafs? And when we can break those two elements apart, and like in the workshop, we went through a detailed breakdown yes. okay, of what our constitution parts are. And Allah says in the Quran that when you forget Allah, Allah will make you forget yourself. Mm. Okay, And this is very important because when you see people that are depressed and people have had enough of life, they say, I hate myself. Mm. Who is I? Who is myself? That's what we need to understand. I, I, I can't stand myself anymore. I hate myself. I don't love myself. Who is I and myself? Mm. Why have you become two different people? Mm. And so healing comes when we begin to correlate and we come together as one being mm. in ourselves. Because this is where we find ourselves. SubhanAllah is my body is here. My mind is somewhere else. My heart is somewhere mm. else. My stress is pulling me elsewhere. I'm not present. Mm. And healing does not happen while your body, mind and spirit are in different places. Healing happens in the, in, the, in the present moment. Where is Allah found? Allah is found only in the present moment. And that present moment is known as khushu. Allah says, come and pray. You say, Allahu Akbar. You enter into that realm of being present in your salah, on your musallah, that your mind is focused upon the salah, your heart is in the salah, your body is also performing those actions, as the Prophet said, pray as you see me pray. Mm. Don't take it away and don't you know lift the hands higher or don't do extra bits. Just do what he did, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So that will be your khudu. The khushu will come inside of it, and that, inshallah, allows us to connect at a deeper level. So all of these things, subhanallah, look, <laughs> the answers are already there. But it's, I think, for the modern age, extrapolating that information into um, understandable terms, inshallah, for our audience. And that, alhamdulillah, with Afia healing, is what we're doing. So I think let's let's take that conversation into that direction, into <coughs> Afia healing. And and I think for me, what what I what really impressed me uh, about Afia healing is you basically uh, packaged uh, Islam in in a practical way, yeah. in a way that we can understand in a step by step process. Because I think one of the things I was struggling with is in life is we all know what we need to do, right? Mm. But we don't do it exactly. And and so what I feel what what I feeling did it, it gave you a sort of some techniques and and methodologies into actually that you could actually do you know yeah. so I, I said when when I came to you the, to, to you on Saturday I said you know, I want to just take at least one thing that I do and mm. start doing it immediately yeah. so the next I implemented that the five minute breathing that you suggested or oh, the fajr I quiet and mm. I went in peace and I and I be the five mm. minute and I added a light level into that and I found it you know that amazing feel I feel so much more calmer yeah. feeling more present and so forth so I want you to sort of unpack. I mean, obviously, you did a whole two-day mm. workshop, and we can't do that in one hour. But just unpack what really is Afia healing, and and just unpack okay. some of the concepts and highlight it, and then also the link within Islam, because that's something that I found yeah. so fascinating. Absolutely. So, the dilemma we have today is people when they are sick go to the doctor. This hurts, that hurts. I've got a boil, I've got a blister, I've got fibromyalgia, whatever it may be. The doctor's job is to try and help you feel better, usually by sticking a plaster on the wound. And not really addressing the root cause of it. 
the doctor's job is finished there at a physical level. Now, if something's wrong with your mind, you're feeling depressed, anxiety, and on a high um, psychotic issues, you will go to a psychiatrist who will then work with your mind. If you then have religious issues, you have to then go to a maulana or a sheikh or someone mm-hmm. like that. The reason I chose the name Afia, the Prophet ﷺ said that the best dua is Allahumma inni asaluka al-afia. Oh Allah, I ask of you, Afia. So when the uncle of the Prophet mm-hmm. asked, he said, but this is such a small dua. And the Prophet ﷺ said, but this is everything. Mm-hmm. Afia is everything. Goodness in this life, you've got clothing, you've been fed, you've got water, you've got sunshine, it's warm. You've got a home, you've got a family, Afia. When you, you know, pass in your tests or you get your job or whatever you want, you die with Iman, it's Afia. Sitting comfortably in the cupboard is Afia. Getting up on Yomul Qiyam under the shade, Afia. Entering into Jannah with Afia. That's why they say, Allah means Allah Afia. Fiddini wa dunya wa akhirah. Oh Allah, grant us with Afia through the whole uh, realm of our existence. Mm. Not just now, through to the other side. Mm. So this is what we want. Now Afia, when it is um, translated loosely, from Arabic to English, translates to holistic well-being. So it's at the level of the body, it is at the level of the mind, of the heart, and also of the spirit. And this is what is lacking now in our community. We either go to one person for one thing, one person to the other, one person to the other. With Afia Healing, I wanted that a person can come to any of our practitioners and experience healing at all three or four levels. Mm. That not just your body, but while working on your body, I can say, Sufyan, I think are you carrying stress with you? We can identify that. You can start talking to me about your stress. So not only has your physical pain gone, we can start working with your emotional pain immediately. And as your physical and your emotional states become more relaxed and calm, your spirit automatically begins to awaken. Mm. You're now able to go into sujood. How many people come to the workshop? On the first day, we give them a realignment of the body and something clicks into place. They come back in the afternoon and say, Jazakallah khair, I actually went into sujood at the whole time. Yeah, now the, now the pain is not there. Mm. So, you know, we're connecting and, and it, it elates them in their state. So, Afia, we want that people, physical, mental, but more importantly, you see, the, the most important healing is the healing of the, of the spirit mm. and the heart. The body will always fall short. The body will continuously fall short. Why? Because we're in tear. We keep using our body and parts will keep, as you keep getting older, you move into different phases. You don't uh, recover as quickly. And the mind also. The mind will go through its phases. But what will remain is your heart and your spirit. Your ruh will carry on. So it is important and imperative that the healing of the spirit takes place over and above the body and the mind. But if we can sustain the body and the mind in a healthy and balanced way, the spirit will also benefit from it. And so with Afia healing, as you saw yesterday, is that in the two days, not only are you taught about your physical body, not only are you taught techniques how to deal with the stresses of the mind, but in those two days you learned about the deen in a way you've never heard before. Yes. People have come to me after the workshop and said, you know, I came to learn healing, but I actually learned more about my deen than I ever did before. Mm. In two days. How old are you? 50, 60. Mm. Why are our ulama not talking about this? Okay. But alhamdulillah, now ulama are starting to come on board as well. And understanding the way that, you know, people need to be addressed according to the issues in our time. The challenges that we have today, you know, things like the addictions that we have, we've got the drug problems, we've got all sorts of problems going on in our communities. Who is addressing them? All we get is fatwas of kufr and fatwas of haram. That's not the way to deal with it. We have a crisis at our hands. Now we've moved into the aspect of atheism. 
that our children are leaving the deen. What are we doing? What emotional stresses are upon our youth and even the adults that has pushed them away? Mm. Why, why do they not feel comfortable to come and ask our scholars to say what's going on? So subhanAllah, this, uh, so this is my challenge. This is my hope, inshallah, that we are creating a holistic approach for people to come to the deen to love the deen because when you love the deen it becomes easy to practice it mm. yeah and for most people deen is a chore salah is a chore mm. fasting uh, especially in the uk now 19 hours no no it's okay you know it's ruksa, ruksa. <laughs> okay we'll just we'll, we'll fast in the winter why because there's no there the, it's not based on mahabba yes when you do something out of love then you know people stay up all night they work all day mm. isn't it yes. but now this is a chore a yeah. three minute salah is is, is a burden so we want to bring the love yeah. back into our into our deen and everything else that's there, inshallah. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. I mean, I think there's two points that I just want to latch on to very quickly. I think the one is that you've also brought up the issue of atheism. And in mm. our previous interview with Sheikh Nanui, he also brought up that issue. And that is one of his objectives of Medina Institute is to teach people Islam so that they don't fall. So I think I just want to emphasize that point that you know atheism is becoming a real problem in our community. And we following suit, this has happened, if you look at the UK, a quarter of the population is yeah. religious. As just as people have been leaving Christianity yeah. over the centuries, it's slowly creeping in within yeah. us. And we need to really make a concerted effort um, to stop that. And I think that's something I really appreciate with what I think. Because, you know, if you, if you can appreciate a lot of the things, you can you can really see that only Allah can be the one to have revealed these these particular sciences. And it really does strengthen your faith. So I think that's an important point that that, that you that you brought. And, and, and the other one, I think, is on love as well. I think that, that the idea of love, which is also what came to know yeah. the interview, that we need to be taught Islam in a more loving way. And that's mm. also the thing that I appreciate with the way you present and with the concept of Afghanistan. Because it's often given to us in such a harsh way and in such a you know like i saw this video just prior to this interview where a man was saying i don't know who this person is but it's, it seems to have gone viral said, if you teach your kids to make salah tell them you must stop your life to be grateful yeah. and go make your salah because allah's giving me all of these things that so that's why don't be like oh if you don't do it you yeah. know i'm i'm gonna see tell so I, I i really took that uh, took that home and i think i maybe i thought i'd just mention and and maybe you could comment on this i found non-muslims there for me that was yeah. a, and i was a bit confused because you know it was, it was at a mosque yeah. So they came in and they wore they wore a scarf and then when I found out the person wasn't Muslim, I was you know I was a bit surprised. So tell me about some of your experiences of, of, of non-Muslim people coming. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the thing that healing for me, my understanding is there is no such thing as an Islamic healing. There's not such thing as a Hindu healing or a Christian healing. Healing works because Allah has created the laws of nature equal for all human beings. The Hindu is no different in physical construct to a Muslim, to a Christian, whatever. Just that our beliefs are different along the lines. But khair, that's to them and we and to ours. The Afya healing techniques are not only for Muslims. Mm. They are universal. The Afya healing technique is based on breathing. Kalas. This is it, right? As long as you can breathe, you can attend the workshop. You sat there for the two days. Did I ever in that workshop tell you, you must pray this? You must pray that. There's no praying. There's no uh, prescriptions given. There's no wazifas given. There's no word to do. Why? Because there isn't a need to do it. You can have a, like you said, the non-Muslim come in and they can equally produce the same results that I can produce with praying. What did the praying do then? Does that make sense? So this is what we are trying to allow people to understand. So we've, built, we've understood our Islam in a very cultural tradition, mm. in a cultural sense that pray this this many times, this is going to happen. Pray this mm. this many times, this many times. And, you know, there is a way in which those prescriptions are given to certain people to meet their temperament and their spiritual states by a sheikh. So it isn't that if I got from my teacher, 
read the class 21 times or read the class 43 times plus two salawat. I cannot go and give that out to everyone else. Their states are very different from mine. As one sheikh commented on, you know, the Asma al-Husna book, he said, these are the read and weep. Okay, because in there it says, if you read this name this many times, this will happen. If you pray this many times, this will happen. What happens? How many times have we, I think I've seen this book in everyone's home. You read it this many times and guess what? It didn't happen. Why? So now, unfortunately, these sort of wazaif and those sort of approaches to quick fixes ends up, our iman begins to erode away. Why didn't it happen? It happened for someone else, but it didn't happen for me. Subhanallah. So we have to really understand that healing comes from within us. And this concept of love is that if you look at all the problems that we have in society of drugs, of addictions, what is lacking in these people? They were not loved or they lacked that love or they did not feel loved. We see women, you know, developing these problems of like endometriosis and, and um, you know, PCOS and all the rest of it. They are not feeling loved. Their womanhood is compromised. You know, all of these things, when you start looking at it, it's all about love. You start showering people with love and their whole demeanor and being starts changing. You look at the life of the Prophet ﷺ, every ex-Sahabi, okay, prior to becoming a Sahabi, were nasty to the Prophet ﷺ. They threw dirt on him. The one woman wanted to run away from Makkah because she heard that man Muhammad ﷺ is a magician. Whoever hears him, he didn't say nothing. He said, Ma, where are you going? He goes, I'm, I'm leaving the city. And uh, what can I do for you? He goes, yeah, this, this bag of mine is heavy. Can you carry it? So he, Salasan, carried it while she continued talking about this man. Right until she got to the caravan. And she goes, sorry, I forgot to ask you, what's your name? He says, I am Muhammad. She stopped, <laughs> took the shahada. This is love. Today, like you said, is why are people moving away from our deen? Because everything is haram, everything is naughty, everything is nasty. If you do wrong, you'll go to the fire, the snakes will bite you, the scorpions will bite you. It's become a religion of hate. Mm. Do this and there's a consequence. Hello, there's also love on the other side. You can't just for everything. You know, like for example, the Prophet was told, I was reading yesterday, that um, a Sahabi at night he's praying. He's doing his tahajjud in the day he steals. Okay, so yeah, in the day at night he's praying tahajjud, and in the day he goes and steals. The Prophet did not give any condemnation. He said, "Inshallah, his prayer will save him." And within a you know a little period of time, that consciousness overtook him, and he stopped, and he became one of the closest sahabis of the Prophet So these sort of things we really need to look at. Okay, we've got serious crises. Not just in, because I travel a lot and in every community the crisis is the same. Yeah. Okay, because of social media, you know, we've got an audience everywhere. So, we're all learning the same, we're wearing the same clothes, we're acting the same way, we've got the same hairstyles. Okay, so in that same way, if we can spread the deen through love, in a way that is palatable, yeah. isn't it? This is why you, we've got one, one half of, of, our, of our people... It's all about fire, scorpions, punishments, yep. and chains, and you know, all that stuff. Haram police. Constantly. And the other half is, don't worry, everything will be forgiven. Mm. The Prophet ﷺ said, our way is the middle way. Yeah, have, have a bit of, and, and you know, we, we exist between hope and fear. So there is hope that Allah is going to forgive us, but the fear that we don't want to fall short. But that is only expressed um, holistically when it is done through love then you, out of love, don't want to upset your beloved. Out of love, you know that your beloved will be merciful to you. So again, and like you said, the atheism is increasing in the UK. Forget the UK. Atheism is increasing in the Middle East. Yes. You know, a couple of years ago, they had an atheist conference in Makkah. Subhanallah. In Makkah. Just to prove a point that we can do this under your own noses. Subhanallah.
and it's done by the locals. And then they printed a newspaper article to say we. I think my point, and when I mentioned the yeah. UK, was mm. the trajectory that the it's UK the is at now. We we on that trajectory, so totally. I, I, I think we have a chance totally. now because we've identified yeah. that we're going down the same trajectory to stop that because we don't need to get to the point where the UK is now where. But will we? That's the that's the problem. Yeah. You see, like recently, I mean, four or five years ago in the UK, we started a program of um, starting up the first Muslim food bank. Okay, so Muslims are going hungry in the UK. You know, you've got people here in South Africa on the streets at the, at the yes. traffic lights asking for food. We have that same problem now in the so UK. We have people standing with boards saying, help, feed me, I need money, this. Okay, so what's happening? And again, with the food bank, what we noticed is that we visited local churches as well to see, look, you know, can we help? Can we assist? Can we be part of? And they showed us their church area. They said, you know, our church hall used to be all the way to the back. Now we've halved it. We've quartered it. Why? Because there's less and less people coming into the church. But what we've done is that we've, the rest of the church, we've created into a social space. So people just come into the church for activities such as sports, such as, um, you know, finance clinics, just, you know, counseling. And guess who their clientele is? Muslims. Muslims. Muslims are going to the churches to get that um, advice and to get father and son bonding time. They're going there for other things. They're picking up their food from the churches. And the irony for me, which was the saddest thing, was in order to access that uh, food bank of the church, you had to walk around one of the big mosques in Birmingham. You go past the door, the doors are locked. You walk around and there's people going, hello, welcome, come in. We've lost it. We've lost the plot. Okay? It's It's all about money. It's all about funerals. Make money out of people dying. And... We've lost the, the true essence of what we are there And for. I mean, it's so country because if you see the Prophet's Mosque in Medina was the center of the community. Yeah. Everything happened. Allowed to happen. Allowed, allowed to happen. To so this is the problem that even in our mosque today, our youth do not feel welcome in there. Mm, yes. Okay. And I know it's, it's here, mashallah, I see, I see children. In the UK, I don't see children in the mosque because they don't have a topi on the head. They'll start swearing and shouting at them. They don't have, they've got a short sleeve top on. Hello, you know, love. Compassion, allow it. You have to allow until they they begin to understand the the hukum and of what the you know the regulations are. But we the way our response is, and this is why you see the problem is that there's emotional insecurities within mm-hmm. all of us. Yes. And this, Alhamdulillah, through Afia healing, is what we are starting to highlight. So at this moment in time, you know, we're very early on, but it's creating an awareness. Why am I behaving in the way that I am? And when we can start to identify, why have I got low self-esteem, low self-confidence? Why is it that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm always scared of uh, saying anything? When we look back further, there's always an emotional root cause. Mm. And for a lot of these people that are losing their way, that have not been supported, mm. they just need that little bit of talking to, a little bit of therapy, yeah. a little bit, and nothing very uh, invasive. Yeah. Afia healing, no stories. You know, we have uh, victims of rape, victims of, you know, all sorts of, you know, severe issues. And they never come to the fore because it's too embarrassing mm. for them to even come and say that this has happened to me. But with Afia Healing, you, you, you saw what I did, that no questions asked. Yes. Just tell me, whatever happened, how do you feel of it? Mm. I felt angry. I felt upset. Good. Let's just work with the feeling. Because the incident will remain the incident. The memory will stay there. But... Let's just remove that emotion out. Let's just neutralize that emotion. So that now that the emotion comes out of your system, your body can begin to heal. Your mindset can change. Yesterday, we worked with a lady as a demo uh, for bereavement. 
Her yes. husband has passed away and extremely upset, crying. She's gone to psychologists and psychiatrists and all of them. But no one's been able to push her into the state of acceptance. Yesterday, it took us, what, seven, eight, nine minutes. And, and mashallah, you know, she came back four or five times later to say, thank you so much. You, you just, thank you for forcing me to come down <laughs> to, to do this, uh, you know, process. Because I saw in her, as I was delivering the workshop, the tears were just streaming down. So I knew that this woman's holding something. And then when she came and sat down, that was it. You know, it was just a matter of... And there was the other demo of the person who was holding on to, onto, I think it was a rage for nine years. No, and, 17. Oh, so, so, sorry, 17, 17 years. She was years. holding on to this rage for yeah. 17 years. And I think it was about 14, Seven minutes, yeah. 14 minutes or so. And it was, it was, it it was, was done. It was done, yeah. It was done. So again, we are not... Never once did I ask what happened. When yeah. did it happen? Who was it? No, we don't want to know. Why? Because it's hard enough for them. But also when a person shares their story, I as a practitioner or my practitioners have to listen to that stuff. And then it, it, it makes me feel like drained and down. So we don't want any of that. We don't want baggage. We, all we want to do is let it go. You know, this is the whole concept. We just, we are helpless and hopeless, Ya Allah. And to you is our return. Yeah. And this is the thing that the, uh, that the Anbiya, salam, the Sahabas and the pious predecessors did. They listened to people all day long. At night, they turned into sujood and gave everything back to Allah. Yes. And that's what we should be doing. It's simple, you know, just, just allow that process to happen. But if we are, we are not creating space for people to come and heal. Yeah. Isn't it? No, we're not. Creating we're not space. creating the spaces needed for people to come and heal. But now, alhamdulillah, with Afia healing in Cape Town, in Joburg, in Durban. Even in Louis Trichard, you mentioned. It's, it's Louis Trichard. Well, every, we've got people in uh, Blomfontein. We've got all the way across the, mashallah, it's nice. So there are people now able to help. Yes. Now, just yesterday, I mentioned the story of in Louis Trichard, the uh, brother who's done, who's an Afia practitioner. His employee um, cut his finger off, okay? And the next finger was also about to be amputated because he was badly damaged. He asked the doctor, give me an extension. Let's wait a couple of weeks. So he stitched it up and he's been doing afia healing on that finger of his employee every day. And in two weeks, it's healed completely. The stitches have gone and everything when it was expected six weeks recovery time. So and I think they said that you, you, it was going to be amputated yeah, as well. They wanted so to amputate. They wanted to amputate. Yes, they so wanted to amputate. And no amputation. And needed. no amputation needed. Yeah. So the, that man is so happy. You see, now he's, he phoned me yesterday to say, "Can he come to the workshop, please? He wants to learn it and help other people." <laughs> I said, "Bismillah." And again, non-Muslim. It doesn't oh, wow. matter. It does not matter. You just come and learn. Why? Because I cannot sit there working with so many people. My philosophy, and especially of Afia healing, work smart, not hard. Okay, so if we can get as many practitioners out there helping their communities, this is what lifts people yeah. up. So it's not about being selfish and holding on to what you know. You know what the workshop is like. Everything's on the table. Yeah, no holds barred. Everything I yes. put, whatever I know, I put it on there. Whatever questions come, because this is from Allah now. What information is needed at what time and for who? And Alhamdulillah, it's always there. And this is why even outside of my workshops, I'm always doing lives. Why? So that the knowledge keeps pushing out, pushing out, and Alhamdulillah is getting there. No, it is. So I think maybe we'll just touch on the, I want to touch on the importance of our healing and maybe also just come back to the point now that you mentioned it again, you know, that non-Muslims are coming. Yeah. I think, you know, 
what you've done, you know, you really are a trailblazer in the sense that you've created such a such a unique program and such an effective program mm. that non-Muslim people have to put themselves in an Islamic ethos yeah. environment to yeah. get this knowledge. And so you're indirectly giving them the dawah, which is Massive. the best, which is the best way to do it, yeah. because you're not forcing Islam down there. They're willingly coming yeah. to listen to a Muslim talk about yeah. this practice because it's been so effective. So I think that's a point that I want to make. Yeah. And then I think the other point which I want you to, to elaborate on further as well is the, the importance of Afya healing um, for us as Muslims because yeah. you, you, there was a very important point you mentioned in that there's a lot of other modalities out there. Of course. And a lot of these other modalities are not in the confines of Islamic Sharia. Mm. And what you've done with your modality, as you've mentioned, you've consulted with ulama and they've all given the blessing that whatever you mm. do is 100% within the confines yeah. of the Sharia. So maybe just touch and elaborate on that. Yeah, and I think this has been the challenge, isn't it? That there's so many things out there that people um, attach themselves to. And the ulama, rightly, for a lot of them, have given you know the fatwa that this is something to be careful of. What people don't seem to understand, and I'm going to push the mark a little bit over here as well, overboard, is I had a question yesterday, um, privately, to say, what about yoga? Now, I didn't mention yoga yesterday in the workshop. And I said, keep away from yoga. But why? It's stretching. I said, yes, it is stretching. But beyond the physical body, there is a spiritual element within us also, which is the latifas, Okay also known as chakras. So again, ulama have problem with the word chakra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it, it, because it's a Buddhist or Hindu thing, must be haram. But it's like saying, you know, that we have a stomach and then the Chinese don't have stomachs or the Buddhists don't have stomachs. We have a lung, but they don't have lungs. We can't say that. We have been created equal. So if the body is the same with all human beings, then the energetic bodies within us are also the same. And for that reason, when you contort your body over and above what is required, because what is required to push and pull your body is the positions of salah. Any oh, other, isn't it? The Prophet if he, if, if we were to get any more calmer and closer to Allah, we would be shown that position to stretch or to stick mm. our legs above our heads or to contort our body and to lie back in silly positions. But what really is happening is that the Latifa system within our body, when our body twists, it actually is like a, a, a Rubik's cube that's unlocking. And in every movement, there is a different um, opening into the stellar constellations. Okay, subhanAllah. Does that make sense? So it's a combination lock. Combine it like this, you get this opening. You do this, it opens you, and it opens up those energy centers through which shaitan can enter easier. Okay, subhanAllah. So a lot of our, our energetic uh, being, and this is why, you see, the whole thing about the Prophet saying that, you know, we don't uh, take our messages from the stars. You don't do, you know... Yes. Um, horoscopes and things and like that fortune telling fortune telling and it, that's what it is that when you contort your body in a particular way your body is reflecting a particular stellar constellation which means that if you start to imitate something you also take from it the Prophet oh. said that you the people are who they imitate you are who you imitate so if you are dressing up like people uh, hanging around with certain people you become like them so just like the example they gave of the people who go into a perfume shop or they go to the blacksmith you yeah. pick up that essence. So similarly, yoga, um, Reiki, okay, a lot of these modalities have got the influences of shayateen mm. and the influences where your body becomes exposed to negative energies, mm. which then affects our iman. Mm. And this is what is so important. So Alhamdulillah, like I said, and even now in our workshop, we have two of our shuyukh of Cape Town, okay, who are also present in the workshop. And mashallah, they've thoroughly enjoyed. The non-Muslims have thoroughly enjoyed. Every time we've got, we've had, you know, non-Muslims come on, they said we've had a spiritually uplifting experience and they've never heard of Islam in this way. Mm. 
Mm. Now in Joburg, inshallah, there is a new revert uh, Muslim also attending. And she said, she messaged me to say, look, I've only been a Muslim a few months. Do you think I'll be ready f- at this stage in my life to listen to this work? Mm. I said, yeah, why not? Come, because it'll open you up and it'll give you a holistic view mm. on what Islam is. Islam is not harsh. It's not hard. It's not, you know, it's not there to really bother you. It's there to make your life easier. It's there to, because a lot of the time people struggle with living because they don't understand. Mm. If you understood how mechanisms work, how the, uh, yes. you know, the, the, nat- the natural laws are, the sunnahs of Allah are in place, then you say, yeah, okay, alhamdulillah. It becomes more palatable that we can deal with it and then take the necessary steps. But a lot of people are stuck because they don't know what to do. Mm. I'm stuck with my problem for 20 years. Why? Why didn't you let it go? I don't know how to. Okay, you went to the Sheikh, the Sheikh said, read this 50 times. Went back to the Sheikh, Sheikh, it didn't work. Okay, read 100 times. <laughs> this is not the solution. There's a time and place for prayer. There's a time yes. and place for therapy. There's a time and place for each and everything. Whenever the Sahabas went to the Prophet ﷺ, they always gave the Sahabi what they needed. It wasn't yeah. prayer every time. Yes. It wasn't prayer every time. Go and serve your mother. Go and serve this. Go and do this. Go and you know, build a well. It yeah. wasn't praying. It's all about hukukul ibad, how we interact with each other. And when you know that every person that you come across you're fighting with, then there is a problem internally. There's a problem in your nafs. How are you going to straighten that nafs out? Mm. That's where the tazkiyah comes in. That's where a lot of our work that we do on the, on the workshop is bringing to light. And then after the workshop as well, I have a separate support group for people that want to do the tazkiyah program. Okay, subhanAllah. That's another thing. you know. So I don't openly mention, but it's, it's there. And alhamdulillah, I have two groups um, of about... 350 people oh, in total okay over the two groups and and majority are, are from the afia you know network that we have okay, so, so they've come to the workshop now they want to develop themselves further yeah we just take them through a step-by-step program of how tazkiyah works so yesterday we showed you there's a tazkiyah of the body there's a tazkiyah of the mind and then of the heart and then the enlightenment of the spirit and that goes exactly hand in hand with the islam the iman and, the and ihsan but again, the ulama, unfortunately, are not presenting it. They have the knowledge, but it's not being presented in the way that yeah. can be digested by our community, and especially our, our youth. You know, and I have the same problem with, uh, well, not, yeah, uh, problem in, in the way that the message is delivered, even by ulama in the UK and everywhere else I travel to. I tell them that you guys are standing on the pulpit, screaming and shouting down at us, saying everything is haram. But the people that need to listen to your message are not right. in the mosque. <laughs> They're not in the mosque. Yeah. They're on the side street. They're selling drugs. What are you doing over here? We really need to shift our attitude. The strategies that were applied 50 years ago, 10 years ago, 12, 20 years ago are not working now. Yeah. And if we want to preserve our, our deen, we want to preserve our ummah, the children, then the khutbah needs to go further out. And I think that's why Sayyidina Ali's report to have said prepare your children for a different time. Because they're not going to live... have the same expectations. They're not going to live in your time. So no. Prepare them for a different Allow them, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, if they've got a phone now and you didn't have a phone at that age, hello? You've got to prepare them for that. That's where you respond. <laughs> and I think we, we, we're stuck in the past and we glorify the past and we don't accept where we are now. No. And again, it's the same way we laugh at, you know, my dad said he walked, you know, to school. Yeah. That's him. I didn't. Yeah. My dad dropped me off in his car. You know, so it's, it's so different. Yeah. And, our, and, and our children now in the UK, most children will walk to their school, but we still drive them to school, make sure they get there okay. You know, and, and it's just the times are changing. So we have to keep adapting. What worked then is not working now. So just come back to the yoga point. So stay away from yoga and replace that with salah. Is that what with you're salah, saying? With salah, but also with, 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 you, you get the movements in the salah that you would... Yeah. 
And normally the, the irony of it is that people usually miss their salah time because they went to the yoga class okay. <laughs> and stretched over there. But look, I'm not saying just blatantly stop yoga. The thing is that there is a benefit in the stretching and especially yes. with certain types of injuries, back yes. pains and stuff like that, then even the doctors will give you the prescription that go and, you know, do some gentle stretching. So Pilates is there, there's Tai Chi there, there's different alternatives of the same thing. But just that when you start to contort your bodies in particular ways, people don't see that there is a spiritual harm. Yes. They see the physical benefit, but not the spiritual harm. So for example, we eat meat that is halal and non-halal. We don't know which one's which. They both taste the same, okay? But the spiritual impact of the haram is very different upon the body to what the halal is. Imam al-Ghazali said to the nearest meaning that when you eat halal food and the strength that your body and your nafs takes from it to go and commit evil, that's where we get energy from sin, yeah? Is that the, the nafs has been nourished, now it wants to go commit sin. Imagine what the impact is when you have haram food. If you have the desire built up within you because you had halal food. What is happening to your nafs when you have haram food? And we don't see the impact of that. And it's a compounding effect over time that now we see that our children are away from the deen and this is away from the deen because of what we do and what we ingest and what we take in. So this is so important as well. So again, you see, this is the whole concept is with Afia healing, my approach to understanding life is at the energetic level. So, like for example, on the Afya healing um, pamphlet and the poster that we have, we are energetic beings. This is my, you know, one of my opening lines. And I've got people contending with me, Astaghfirullah, brother, Allah says we are made from clay. Okay, I didn't contend that either. We're not saying that we're not made of clay. But when you break the clay down in calcium and we go down to the electrons and the protons, we find that we are just a wave of energy ultimately. But it's the way that Allah has put this together. To make us, to make that clay, to make that flesh, to make that bones, to make the hair, and that's who we are. Alhamdulillah. So maybe just briefly touch on a little bit further on energy healing actually within Islam. That it's not something new that you're doing an innovation. It's in that you're just repackaging what yeah. you found. Maybe you just give one or two examples of that. That's that, it. That you Sahaba has come to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Rasulullah, this hurts. That hurts. The Rasulullah some would place their blessed hand there. Mm. They would recite and they would blow. Okay, and they would, and the Sahabas will say, "What? I felt this coolness going into my heart. I felt this warmth going into my heart." You touch the hair, sallallahu alaihi and it never went black. There's one thing that I will make very clear: what the Prophet did was mu'jizat. Those were miracles outright from Allah, uh, manifesting on the hand of the Prophet We are not creating karamat. We are not ambiya to do mu'jizat. But what we are seeing is the same thing. Isa alayhi salam placed the blessed hand. Sahaba kiram did the same thing. Tabi'in, right up to this day. And even now, naturally, by Allah's law, you have a headache, your hand goes onto it straight away. The child is crying, you place your hand upon the chest or wherever it's hurting, and they are soothed and calmed. So what we are doing is the same natural process that our body is used to. We place our hand there and through the attention to our breath, we focus the attention of the energy to go into that part and the body begins to heal quicker by the fadl of Allah. We are not the healers. Allah is the healer. But Allah created the sabab, the means by which our bodies can heal, provided that the conditions are right. So if someone is sitting here saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Why is Allah not feeding me? Allah is not going to throw the food down on your, on, your, on, your, on your table. You have to go out, either purchase it or plant it or grow it or cook it before you can start to consume it. So we have to take ownership of um, you know, the way our lives are leading and then take it from there, inshallah. 
subhanallah. I think one thing I was very impressed about on when, when I attended the workshop series was your holistic knowledge base. And, and I asked you, for example, a question as to, you know, we, we have Sunnah cupping days. Mm. And why is it on the 17th and 9th? And you gave me an answer that, you know, just blew my mind. And you said that, you know, the, the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th are the white months. So that's when the Day moon, mm. the moon or the white day started where the moon's gravitational pull is that it's most so it pulls up all the bad blood and so on the 79 and the blood is ready so i was, I was just really blown yeah. away by the way you answer things so how did you build up this diverse knowledge base and what advice would you say for somebody who wants to improve do you have like a list of resources somebody can look to if they want to learn more about about what you do yeah so like i said you know the list of resources is my social media pages because yeah. alhamdulillah allah's fadl that we are able to connect with the world and also like i said at the beginning was the blessings of Allah to have given me the opportunity to sit with open-minded shuyukh who were able to, um, uh, you know, allow us to understand how life actually works. And when you read the books of those same awliya that we've spoken about, Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani, Ibn al-Arabi and all these people, when we understand their works of how they looked at life, Jalaluddin Rumi, Rahmatullah, they all understood life as we are teaching it now. Isn't it? They, they all spoke you mentioned a very interesting one which I didn't I heard his name but you gave it uh, Sidi Abdelaziz Dabbaq from oh. Fez I was very blown away by that story yeah. as well and Sayyidina Abdelaziz Dabbaq Fazi he was a ghost of his time okay like I said to you that he could look at people and just by them in their utterances he could tell if the person was uh, reading from Quran uh, narrating a hadith if it was uh, strong if it was weak simply by the light that would come out from their mouths you know just and they said how, how do you know you say that and they would say that just like on a cold day mist comes out of your mouth i see light come out of your mouth or darkness and in this way you know people don't know much about him but inshallah i invite our viewers as well to look up Sayyidina Abdulaziz Dabbaq and their tariqah so you mentioned how they um, taught for us to access this information which you share after healing yeah so instagram facebook and youtube, YouTube yeah so at Afia Healing. At Afia Healing. Hashtag Afia Healing. Whatever Afia Healing will, inshallah, lead you straight uh, towards uh, our contents, inshallah. Okay. And you did mention that you've got the good, you, a lot of this stuff we're talking about, you have uploaded on, onto YouTube yeah. and if there's those videos available. Yeah. And a lot of these these other resources you'll find. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, every time someone asks me a question that's worth addressing, then Alhamdulillah, we straight away onto it. Okay, so you put it, you put it, you put it on there. Every day, yeah. Every day is a new question. So like, okay, you know, with, with this tour that I'm doing now in Cape Town and Maritzburg and Joburg PE, there's different, different topics coming up, different issues that are coming up. So those, inshallah, are all in my head now too, that this needs to be addressed, this needs to be addressed. And our approach is the holistic approach. You know, there's one way of approaching that, okay, this is haram and halal. Okay, that's fine. But what is the need of the time? You know, where is it? For example... In the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there was that had, okay, that if you were to steal, we'll cut your hand off. In Sayyidina Umar's time, the had was removed because of the poverty and the droughts that were taking place. People out of necessity to survive were picking things up that they shouldn't. And so Sayyidina Umar said, no, no cutting of hands. The same way, people haven't understood Islam in its merciful state. To lie is a sin. To lie to bring two people back together is a virtue. So the same sin now hmm. on the other foot is something else. So in summary, what is Islam? Islam is do good, don't do bad and serve other people. That's all it's about. Do good, don't do bad, serve other people. Kalas, three things. 
And that's all Islam. If you look at all the teachings compounded in a nutshell, that's all it is. It's only out of serving others do we gain closeness to Allah. And the rest of it is just for ourselves to make sure we get to the other side in one piece. Shaitan is constantly, his role and job, job role, job description is simply to lead you astray. And you are simply to say, no, I'm going to try not to. And the rest is with Allah because Allah is the one protecting us. He's always kept us protected. So Alhamdulillah. Um, on a more personal note, I would want to ask you. I used the, in in the previous interview the the the, the word favorite, and and the, and, the, and, the, and the interview didn't like it. So I thought maybe I'd change it to profound. So, do mm. you have maybe a very profound um, Quranic uh, uh, ayah and or a, a hadith and or uh, an Islamic story that you'd like to share? Oof. All of them. You see, again, it's the context in which we okay. looking at. So, so okay. maybe in a generic context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, so let's let's just bring back the workshop. We bring back the content of the workshop. So when you are grateful, Allah will increase it for you. So each time we thank Allah for the smallest of blessings, we are immediately blessed with an increase within it. So you can have the same hundred runs, but this time by making shukr for the hundred runs, the barakah within the hundred runs extends mm-hmm. further. In the same way, we also, um, when we look at the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, it is all about helping other people. When you look at the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ at the beginning when Sayyidina Jibreel came and asked the Prophet ﷺ in Medina, what is Islam? Five pillars. What is Iman? The seven articles. What is Ihsan? To worship Allah as you see. But when the Prophet ﷺ was asked the same questions after the Fatah Makkah and in the Hajj, what is Islam? It is to spread salam. It is to feed the poor and to stand up and pray at night when everyone is asleep. Did you see how the, there's a change in that those five pillars of Islam, the salah, had zakat, roza, kalima, will bring you to this state where you are now spreading salam to people. And we are not spreading salam to people today. Mm, you know, no. people are walking past them. Everyone's grumpy and constipated. Yeah. Why? You know, if we are not spreading salam, it shows that there is a lack inside that, you know, the love is not flowing. It's all dry. We've got big, big beards. We're tripping over bellies that we can't see our feet. You know, big hijabs and fancy. But there's no love inside. Mm. And then Iman. What is Iman? Over here it was, uh, you know, uh, believe in Allah and the angels in the last day and the books and this and that. What is Iman on, at the end of, you know, the time of the Prophet ﷺ? To love for your brother what, what you, you love for yourself. It is all about serving. It is all about giving back. Yesterday or the day before, I gave you the example of Salah, the importance of Salah. Many lessons that we read in Salah, uh, that we learn from Salah, or we're supposed to learn from Salah, is that when we say Allahu Akbar, that we throw the world behind us, we all hear this. But when we hold our hands such, the lesson that Allah is teaching us is that no one should face any harm from your hands. Mm. The Prophet said, the Muslim is he who is safe. Yeah, the other people are safe from his hands and his tongue. Mm. So the tongue also is told in Salah, shut up. Just don't speak. Your ears are told to listen. And your eyes are told to lower your gaze. These are the lessons. And the closest point in your salah to Allah is in your sujood, where there is only one veil between you and Allah. And that time when you are in sujood, your head is in the feet of other people, which shows you that if you want closeness to Allah, you will find it in serving other people's needs. And this is what we're not learning. This is why we're not seeing the holistic and the spiritual benefits of Salah. It's simply an exercise. I pray five times a day. And you see this. The person who gets up for Fajr will look down upon people who don't get up for Fajr. Yes. 
The person who goes to the mosque for Fajr looks down upon the person who doesn't go to the mosque for Fajr. The person who stays till Ishraq looks down at everyone anyway. <laughs> so, so what has what have you done? What what progression have you had apart yeah. from just making a habit? This is a habit. You're yeah. habitually just going to the mosque. Yeah. The yeah. nafs is still there. The nafs is still there. There's a beautiful waqiyah of a of a of a sheikh who prayed salah in the front row for forty years. Never missed a salah in the in the first saf with takbir ula in the first saf. One day he got late, and as he ran into the mosque, he got the back row. And while praying, he got embarrassed that oh my god, people will see me in the back row. I've never been in the back row. So he made salam and he left. Then he realized that all forty years of my prayer was from my nafs. So he went and he had to make up all his 40 years. Yeah. So this this is this is what's happening to us. We are simply just showing off. We're just playing. Yeah. We're playing with our... And, and it feels good. You know? Of course it does. Whoever massages, you speak good to me, I feel good yeah. about it. I like you as well. You know, someone else doesn't, then we have problems. Yeah. It's yeah. the nafs. So it's identifying who am I. Yeah. Recognizing, realizing. So this is it. So exactly like we're here talking about Afia healing, but I don't think we've spoken about Afia healing. This is what Afia healing is, yeah. is that holistically, how do we get ourselves closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And, and the nafs is a tough one. That, 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 that's, it's uh, never ending. It never ends, yeah. You know, I heard from one of the South African scholars when he visited the UK, he said, Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala an, used to make a dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min an azni. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from zina. And they said, Ya Abu Huraira, at the age of 80, he goes until shaitan is not dead. I don't, I don't, I don't want to give him a chance. And it's not zina, zina outwardly, but it is even of the eyes, even of the ears. Mm. Even at that stage, that is taqwa. Mm. That, you know, we never give up. The nafs is not going to die. Mm. But it can only be. And that's why we always need to maintain it and, you know, go to the constantly. courses. And that is the idea yeah. of, of continuously doing. And that's why we have our five times salah. So, yeah. so it's not an event. That is also the other thing I took from, from the Afi is that healing is not an event. It's a process. Process. And, and healing will only happen when Allah wills it to happen. Mm. There is no magic pill. There is no magic choo-choo, okay, as people like. And this is where our community is so stuck and this is why they don't heal. They'll go to one sheikh, I need healing. Okay, yeah, good. I, if I write you this thing, do this, burn this, cut some lemons, do that. They go, they try it for three days, they're still in that same state. Okay, uh, let's move on to someone else. Pay another amount of money, pay another amount of money. How long have you been doing this? Oh, last 20 years we've been looking for a solution. If you just uh, you know, sat with that first person for two months, maybe you might have got healed. But because we don't want a process, the nafs doesn't want you know, any um, uh, difficulty upon itself, it's looking for a quick fix. Mm. So Afia healing, like any other therapy modality, is a process. Islam is a process that you start with your salahs and you start with your hajj and your fasting. Allah says about fasting, Maybe, perhaps, if you fast for 30 days, you will acquire taqwa. Mm. There's no guarantee of taqwa at the end either. Mm. So if Allah does not guarantee us taqwa, then how are we guaranteed healing? Healing comes when? When Allah wants it to come. But in the meantime, until the healing comes, then we want to understand that Allah wants us to actually learn the lessons of what He is sending to us. Why is it that this person continuously carries on bothering you? Why is it that they are so nasty and so mean? Rather than looking at their problem, why don't you reflect upon your own response to them? And that's what changes things. So you'll be going to, I think, Joburg next. and Durban. Peter Maddisburg. Peter Maddisburg. For so Tuesday, for, for people who are, who are in Peter Maddisburg mm. and uh, Peter Maddisburg, after Peter Maddisburg too? Joburg, Joburg. inshallah, yeah. So um, is there still a chance for them to join the course? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, in the Cape Town workshop, we had people joining yesterday. They missed the whole day and then they decided... The, on the Sunday they wanted to come. Um, so we always get that. And Alhamdulillah, we're accommodating like that. 
And okay. uh, yeah, but for PMB, uh, which is workshop, is tomorrow and uh, Wednesday. Okay, so tomorrow and Wednesday is uh, Peter Maritzburg, and then inshallah Saturday, Sunday will Saturday, be Sunday. Johannesburg. In Johannesburg, and then Tuesday, Wednesday will be uh, Port Elizabeth. Okay, the next Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, the following. Okay, so, so excellent. So still opportunity for most oh, of the country yeah, 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 to, yeah, to benefit. Yeah. And Absolutely, excellent. So if this is your our, our parting question with you is we we, we ask this to all of our, our our guests if this is your last day on earth I know you've dispensed a lot of advice <laughs> but on the basis of this is that your last day on your earth this is your last what would you say Subhanallah this is it I wouldn't know at the moment for me it would simply just be to shut off and then just turn to my Creator today and just tie up loose ends with those people that I needed to say and yeah finalize with us. But no, Alhamdulillah, look, every day is our last day and every morning is a new life. So people, you see, this is the thing that on Yom Al-Qiyamah, people will say, send us back again mm. and we'll do better. Allah does that to us every day. He puts us to sleep and we say, Allahumma bismika, amutu wahiyah. Oh Allah, I'm dying now yeah. and by your permission do I live and die. In the morning, we say, Alhamdulillah, the ahiyana. Oh, yeah. thank you for waking me up yeah. because your ruh has come back. Today is a new day. Mm. How can today be better than yesterday. And that's all it's about. The only person you're really having to compete with is yourself, not anyone else. And again, for a lot of people that we see on a regular basis is what are people saying about me? What is people's opinions of me? Who cares? What is Allah's opinion of you? How do you stand and how will you hold your level of consciousness in front of Allah? Can you have a clear conscience with Allah? If so, then the rest does not matter. So Alhamdulillah, for that, inshallah, my, yeah, if it's on my last day on earth, Alhamdulillah, make the most of it, do some extra dhikr, give more sadaqah out, and hope to, inshallah, win the favor of Allah. Brother, thank you so much for joining us um, on, on Accidental Muslims, and, 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 and you for, for really living with purpose. You, you're doing I mean, what I'm yeah. is, which is about living I mean, with purpose. I mean. And uh, my, 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 uh, my, my parting words would be to everybody listening is, is to participate. Join I mean, the I mean. community. It's a lovely community. I really... Uh, Think that one of the best decisions I've made was to participate, uh-huh. and and I've really seen an impact in my life, and, and 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 in such a short period of time. So may Allah bless you and your family, and obviously you leave a family for long periods of time yeah. to travel do this work. So we appreciate that sacrifice Amin. you're making. Amin. So and may work grow from strength to strength. Amin. So that's it for today's show. We hope you added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com. If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.